with you this morning. Um, I like that today is the day you chose to give me such a sweet introduction because literally the beginning of my sermon says, I'm going to be very honest with you. I struggled as I was preparing for this sermon. This letter and specifically the passage that I'm going to be focusing on today are rich and heavy and I could not get a grasp on what I wanted to say. Like, I just went through so many iterations, I couldn't think of any funny anecdotes or, like, stories or three alliterative talking points. I just rewrote and wrote and rewrote and wrote the introduction so many times. It got really weird at one point, then it got, like, dark at one point. I don't know. So many iterations. I was all over the place. Like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about this weekend. But then, on Tuesday morning, I was making my son and myself breakfast. And I looked at this perfectly toasted piece of seedy whole grain bread just slathered with this pure Irish butter that I leave soft on my um, counter in this little glass butter dish. And I recall the comment that Brian made to me last Sunday as we were talking about this coming weekend. And he said, oh yeah, this is the bread and butter. Like, this is the bread and butter of the letter. And when I'm looking at this bread and butter, that came back to me. My brain settled a bit, and so here we are. So bread and butter is a favorite snack or breakfast or any time of day meal of mine. It's so simple. It's so good. And there's a reason why every culture across the entire globe has a variation of bread and butter as a staple in their diet because it's simple and satisfying sustenance. As a saying, like when someone says, oh yeah, that's the bread and butter, you know, that refers to what your life depends on, like your sustenance, what what you do to, to make money, what you do to sustain your life, what keeps us alive, what keeps us going. It's simple and satisfying sustenance. And Paul's bread and butter, his sustenance, is Jesus. And he wants to share what sustains him so that everyone around him and everyone on earth from now and from now on, can share in this sustenance, this source of life. Jesus calls himself the bread of life for a reason. He doesn't say he's a steak or a cake or a chip or a dip or an orange or a... Pick the only word that doesn't rhyme with anything. He, yeah, he says bread. He says the bread of life. Because bread is simple and satisfying sustenance. It's available to everyone of every status in every culture. People can relate to bread. And Jesus is nothing if not relatable. That is what Paul is trying to get across in this passage that we're looking at today. How Jesus' entire purpose, his life, death, and resurrected life, is to relate to us so that we can be reconciled to God reconnected with our source of life and forever sustained by the one who created us and gives us life. Paul wants people to know the true Jesus, the real bread and butter, because he knows that fake imitations do not sustain and false interpretations do not satisfy. To experience this life-changing reconciliation and reconnection, we have to know the true Jesus. The true Jesus calls bread and butter, and sharing about the true Jesus is the bread and butter of Paul's ministry. Everything he does is to present the true Jesus, because he knows the true Jesus 
is he transforms lives. Paul's own life was radically transformed by Jesus, and he knows that he can't have an experience for someone else, but he can spend his days sharing about his own experience and encouraging others, including us, to get to know Jesus, the true Jesus. Paul wants us to know the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And smack dab in the middle of this letter, which we call the book of Philippians, he lays out for us and his original audience this beautifully thorough and succinct gospel account. Verses 6 through 11 of chapter 2, this is the bread and butter. This is the true Jesus. This is what will satisfy and sustain you. So starting in verse 6, Paul writes, Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So right off the bat, Paul wants it to be clear that Jesus is fully God. That's the first thing we need to know about Jesus. In the Gospel of John, John writes, as one of his openers, he says, he, talking about Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's a lot of double negatives, but John is saying Everything was made through Jesus. Nothing was made without him because Jesus is fully God, an equal member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wants to be clear that Jesus is the opposite of man. He is not a created being, but the creator. And not only is he opposite in form and divinity, he's opposite in action as well. Where Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, even though he already had it. He did not count it a thing to be grasped. Adam and Eve, the first created beings, they absolutely did. They wanted to be God's equals. It wasn't enough for them to have a perfect relationship with God. They wanted to be like God, to be God. And I love Paul's word choice here, because that's literally and figuratively what Adam and Eve did, right? They grasped. They grasp at this chance, at this attempt at equality with God. But of course, it was a lie and led only to destruction and death, eternal longing and long suffering. And so Jesus, because of his great love for us, emptied himself of his divine glory and his infinite abundance, and he experienced extreme limitations that he never had before. He stripped himself and stuffed himself into a human body the most fragile and broken and lowly form. And Paul so desperately wants for us to understand that this is Jesus. This is the true Jesus, God in human form for us, to meet us and be with us and relate to us and reconcile us, to return our souls to a state of peace. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the most amazing revelation comes from the original word used for this word peace. In the Greek, it's this word irene. And it doesn't just mean calm or stillness or rest. 
that this word, the root of this word, means to tie together into a whole, to join together. It means wholeness, when all essential parts are joined together. This is the peace that comes with knowing the true Jesus. For us to have this true peace, lasting peace, peace that sustains, our souls have to be reconnected to God, eternally tied back together with a string that can never be broken because that string, our path to peace, the only path to peace, to wholeness, is Jesus. This is the true Jesus. And this is how much God loves you. This is how valuable you are. That Jesus gave up everything to be close to you and to bring you home. And this is the Jesus Paul wants us to know. Because this is the true Jesus, the Jesus that transforms. Paul continues, he says that Jesus humbled himself. He experienced every physical, emotional, mental limitation of humanity. And he experienced it all so that he could relate to every one of us at every moment. He experienced every pain and heartache, every sorrow and sadness, every shame and guilt, every disappointment and frustration. And then he experienced the most human thing of all, death. It's the only guarantee in this life, right? The thing we all have in common is that our earthly bodies will cease to exist. We will die. Death is the most certain thing in this world because everything in this world is decaying and dying. Everything in this world leads to death. But we know in our spirits that death is not what God intended. We were made for life and our souls, they know it. They know that something is wrong with death. Jesus did it. He didn't just die a peaceful death in his sleep. No. He died the most brutal death anyone could die. Paul says he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. But death is never the end of the story in God's kingdom. Jesus is the ultimate example of that. Jesus is life. Jesus is about life. And we can trust that knowing and believing the true Jesus will lead to life because he not only created it in the beginning and sustained it, he lived it here on this earth and then he lost it so that he could prove his power over sin and death and be raised to life again. And the true Jesus, though lowly and humble, is also the exalted Savior King. And I just imagine Paul writing so furiously and passionately at this next point when in verse 9 he says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul says this is the true Jesus. This is our bread and butter. I texted Christy earlier this week to ask if they could play Friend in Jesus leading into the sermon today because I just know that Paul would love it, right? Don't you think he just loves it when he hears it? He's like, oh, that's it. I have found a friend in Jesus. He is everything to me. I have found a friend in Jesus. Yes, he is my everything. Jesus is Paul's everything because he knows and believes the true Jesus. His life has been transformed, and he 
that transformation for everyone, for all of us, to be able to sing, I'm a life made new. I'm the one who's been set free. That's what it means to be a life made new, to be set free from the shackles of sin and selfishness, because that's what sin is at its core. It's self-serving and self-centered. It's self-worship. Sin is saying, I care more about myself than anyone else, including God. I care more about my needs, my wants, my status, my power. We are Adam and Eve grasping at the fruit, grasping at the chance to be counted as equal to God. But knowing the true Jesus changes everything. Knowing and believing the true Jesus transforms us, transforms us into becoming more like him. The opposite of selfish and self-serving and self-centered. In the portion of the letter right before Paul gives his condensed version of the gospel, he writes in verses 3 to 4, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And Paul knows that that is not natural for us. That's not our natural human state. He knows that that, that mindset can only come from true transformation, from knowing and believing the true Jesus. Because in, in verse 5 right there, he says, have this mind among yourselves. So he tells you, this is how we are to act. Have this mind among yourselves. I know you can't do it on your own. This mind is yours in Christ Jesus. He says, this is yours in Christ Jesus by no doing of your own. This kind of transformation where you have a life where you can do these things, a life of humility, this comes from knowing Jesus. And this word that Paul uses for mind, have this mind among yourselves, the word that he uses gives such a good visual of what true transformation is. That word is phroneo. And it's from the word prone, which means midriff or diaphragm. Anatomically speaking, the diaphragm is the muscle between our rib cage and our abdomen. It's like right under our lungs. And I asked my mother, who has been a respiratory therapist for 43 years, what exactly does a diaphragm do? Tell me what it, what it is. And she said, it's the muscle of respiration. It's the breathing muscle. It's the middle of the middle. It gives us life. So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, this mindset, like, I want your mind, what is the seat of who you are, your mental and emotional activity to be the mind of Christ. And you can only have that from knowing the true Jesus. In Paul's day, that word friend, phroneo, they used it as this like metaphor for the seat of all your mental and emotional activities, metaphor for who you are, where your thoughts come from. So phroneo means like knowing something from within. The definition says, it's this idea being so difficult to translate to English because it combines the visceral and cognitive aspects of thinking. So it's not just intellectual thinking and knowing, but feeling in every cell in your body. It's this full-bodied thinking that produces action. So your phroneo, your mindset, is who you are. And Paul wants our mindset to be transformed. He wants us to have the mind of Jesus, who we are. And he says that comes from only knowing and believing the true Jesus. That doesn't just come from reading a portion of his letter or just looking at Jesus from afar, reading a Bible verse. Like, 
this kind of transformation where our our mayo, our mindset is the mind of Jesus. That comes from knowing and believing the true Jesus. And without that kind of transformation, we will always be Adam and Eve grasping at the chance for equality with God and falling headfirst into a life of selfish ambition, vain conceit, a lonely, angry, discontent life. We were made to be satisfied by the bread and butter. The true Jesus, to taste the true Jesus, digest the true Jesus, be transformed by the true Jesus, and then share the true Jesus with the world around us by then displaying his humility, his kindness, his mercy, and his peace. To experience true transformation, we have to know the true Jesus. Jesus, who is fully God, all-powerful creator, humble servant, merciful savior, and everlasting king. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for Jesus. Thank you also for Paul and these letters he has written that um, we get to be encouraged by today as well. We just thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can know the true Jesus and then through that know true transformation and in this world, even though it is broken and dying and leading only to death, God, that, that our minds, if we come to you and truly are transformed by you, God, that, that our lives can be a little glimpse of glory here on this earth. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came to us to relate to us and to reconcile us with you so that we could be forever reconnected, God, whole, that we can be holy.